Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy day and this holy name and the opportunity we have to be together. Lord, we know that the work that's done here is yours, as we have just heard in our readings, that you are the giver of light, you are the giver of all good gifts. And so, we believe that you are still giving. You are giving through our worship, you are giving through our tithing, you are giving through this message. And your Holy Spirit shows up and does the work. And so we submit this time to you, believing that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will chisel out eyes and ears, will give us the ability to hear and see that you are good and there is no other. To your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fruits of the Spirit, uh, January, so that means we are on a new fruit of the Spirit. We've gone over some great ones so far. We've gone over love, and we've gone over patience, and we've gone over peace, and we are moving today into generosity. We're thinking about how God is generous, and a quick reminder that as we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, I know there is this temptation because it's inside of me too. To think of these as, okay, how do I become more generous? How do I become more loving? How do I become more patient? And I encourage you to recognize that thought, but then to move and say, nope, the idea of the fruits of the Spirit is how does God's Spirit inside of me transform the way I am? And so instead of focusing on the fruit... Focus on the tree. A healthy tree produces healthy, good fruit. So we want a tree that's, that's standing by the river of God, whose Holy Spirit is coming in, giving fertilizer, giving water, giving life to that tree. And out of that comes generosity. Out of that comes peace. Out of that comes love. So not zooming in on the fruit, but saying, okay, God, by being a tree by your river, how can my fruit look different? Now, in our time together, I hope you recognize that as we move through these fruits, we are focusing on going, Lord, how are you the start of this? How are you the start of love? How are you the start of peace? And in generosity, we need to recognize that God is the generous giver. God is the one who is big and powerful and pours out to us. And then we receive these things, and very often, we are the dam that stops up the generosity of God for so many different reasons. And we'll talk about them today, and we'll talk about them this week, but we end up being this stop in God. And in thinking about generosity, I recognized for myself that in coming into generosity and thinking about how God is, the first move in generosity is realizing how big God is 
and how small we are. In realizing that God is the source of all gifts, and we are the receiver of his gifts. Which is why we read the Job passage, Job 38. Um, just a great passage, and we had to stop somewhere. So I know it's kind of awkward, like a later stop in the middle of a question, but we could have just kept going. Because God, for that whole chapter, is just pounding Job. And you see this opening. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. And if God says that to you, you're going, Oh boy. Because gird up your loins means get ready for battle. We're about to do this thing. And Job's sitting there going, I'm not sure I'm properly girded for what's about to happen. And God just comes at him with these questions. Because remember, Job is questioning the bidness of God, the goodness of God, questioning all of his characteristics, as we as humans do. And God's answer is, okay, so remember that time when we were together and we hung stars in the sky? Remember that? And Job goes, oh, I wasn't there. Remember that time when I held the, the water back from the shore and, and caused the waves to break and said, this is as far as you go? Remember when we did that together? Oh, I wasn't there either. Time and time again. This is, this is sassy God, right? Just giving it to Job. And Job's like, oh, right, I'm little, you're big. I'm just this little guy and you're God. And that position, that starting point is the start of awe, wonder, worship, generosity. Understanding how powerful and huge God is, is the start of all of those things. Let me see here. It's usually back here that ends up being the problem. Okay, we'll see if it happens again. In that move, though, in seeing who God is and realizing who we are, there is this thing that we do. And it, I want to move through this to get to this point. But we get into a wrestling match with God, trying to make ourselves more powerful and give ourselves authority. Because we don't like being small. We don't like being little. And so what we're going to do to get there is we're going to use looking at the word, this idea of a name. And this comes from this book, Biblical Critical Theory, which I haven't read yet, but an article out of this book is what started my brain down this path. And I've ordered the book. It won Christianity Today's Book of the Year. So it'll be interesting to see where God goes with it. But Christopher Watkin wrote this article that kind of started my brain down this path. So we'll have a quote at the end. But I wanted us to go on a little journey to recognize this struggle that we have with the bigness of God and the smallness of us. We're going to start at the Tower of Babel. Creation, um, Adam and Eve, flood, all sorts of things happened. People are still together, and they get this idea to build a tower up to God. And you see Genesis 11, chapter 4. Oh, need to first in my background. Genesis 11, chapter 4. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And notice, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us be the bid boy. Let us be the authority. 
Let us be the one people talk about. Let us be the one people are impressed with. Not God, us. And so this tower starts being built. And what the people are doing is they're trying to rip back the authority that God has and take it for themselves. Look here. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, it's going to use the word called, but we can also very comfortably say this word here is named. Okay? So God named the light day and the darkness he named night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Jump forward to Genesis 1, chapter 8. God named the dome sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Jump forward to verse 10. God named the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. God's the namer. He's calling these things by name. He's giving them the name. He's the big one. He's the authority. Interestingly, then, in Genesis chapter 2, God gives some authority to mankind so that we can become part of this naming thing. Think about who you name in your life. You name your children. You name your pets. Uh, You naming gives a sense of power and authority and this kind of relationship that happens. Um, Conquered people get named by the conqueror, right? Throughout history, you'll look at that. And so God gives some authority to the people to be namers. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would name them, what he would call them. And whatever the man named every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the sea. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So God's naming everything, or I'm sorry, man's naming everything. God has given some authority to us to be namers, to take care of the garden. That's our job, right? We're we're the caretakers. But he's looking for a partner, and he doesn't see one in zebras, monkeys, giraffes, all of those kinds of things. And so God puts him to sleep and um, makes his other half. And this is when we see woman come onto the scene. And I have this, I've preached on this here, I've taught on it different places, so I'm not going to spend as much time here, um, but I love this part of Scripture, so I could just go on for a long time. But interestingly, when the man sees the woman for the first time, there's this idea of naming coming back. And I'll read it to you, but then I want us to, de- to kind of like unpack a little bit. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be named woman. For out of man, this one was taken. And again, I've preached on this before, so it depends on the verse of the voice you use in this verse as to what is going on here. If you give the man a James Earl Jones authoritative voice, okay, it sounds different if it's like this. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one, this, this one we shall call um, woman. For out of man, this one was taken. He'd go, wow. The man's he's got some authority. He's naming the woman. The problem with that is that is not what's happening at all in the Hebrew. It is not this authoritative announcer, narrator, Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones voice. No, I want you to remember being 15 years old 
and in high school and looking across the high school and seeing the person you have a crush on. And that little like bubbly feeling, not little, like we're 15, right? Overwhelming everything, all-encompassing feeling. This is what the man has. He sees the woman, and with that kind of voice, he goes like this, whoa, that one, that one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Her, do you see her? Everybody, do you see her? She, um, she's something brand new. And in order for me, I want to be with her. In order for me to be with her, I'm going to become something brand new. And so um, I'll be the ish, and she'll be the ishna. These words we haven't seen in scripture yet. They're brand new. They're brand new words. He doesn't define her. He defines them in context of each other. Because he is so excited to see her. This is the voice you read this with. The 15-year-old passionate crush. Finally, she's here. Oh, what a day. And she likes me. I never had that experience in high school, but it was fun. You know, that's the great part. Yes, there she is. Okay. Now, understanding that and with that energy is why when you move through to Genesis chapter three and you move through the fall and the things that separate God and man and the things that separate man and woman And you realize what's happening is an authority and power struggle in the curses. Your desire will be for your husband and he will lord it over you. There's a brokenness that comes in the sexes between men and women here. And you understand the incredible passion that this starts with. So that then when you read this next verse I'm about to read to you, for me, it becomes one of the the saddest verses in scripture. Because experiencing the brokenness and the dynamic and the power struggle that happens because of sin, what happens is the man looks at the woman and he says, the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Remember what I said about the power that comes with naming before? It's not until after the fall does he name her. And there is brokenness, I think, inherent in this. That the, the, the dynamic that is between us and each other and us and God is a dynamic of authority and power that we're constantly battling with. So then we get to Tower of Babel, and what happens? We want to make a name for ourselves. We want to be in charge. We want to be the ones who everybody looks to as having authority. Not God. Us. And this idea of God being God, the Job God, the bigness of God, we can't handle because that means he's more powerful than us and we do not like that. We do not like being under anything. It is, I think, one of the most basic results of sin is that we do not like authority. We do not like people having power over us. And so this dynamic doesn't just happen with men and women, but it happens with God and man. And so we see then um, the, the author, uh, Christopher Watkins, says this in the article I read, and I'm looking forward to reading the book. If you want to read with me, you can let me know and we can read it together. But he says this He says, in narrative terms, rather than playing a role in God's story, filling the earth and subduing it, these people want God to play a supporting role in their story 
as the heavenly antagonist who is ultimately beholden to or vanquished through their heroic self and rise. Oh, man. And yeah, advisement. Uh, there you go. They are not looking forward to what God has planned for them or to the fulfillment of his promises. They are looking forward to the day when they can enjoy all his good gifts as their own while he lays slain at their feet. Whew. Thanks, God, for everything you gave me, but I'm in charge here. Yep, I see these gifts, but they're mine. I've won the battle. And this is not what God intended with the name. Because right after the Tower of Babel, and we studied him last month, Abraham gets a promise. And the promise is involving a name in Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and to your father's house, to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Who's doing the blessing, the naming? God. I will make your name great. Not you will make yourselves great. Not we will make ourselves the name. I will make your name great. This position of us understanding that God is for us, is bid, is in charge, and blessing us and giving us himself is the start of generosity. If we think we are the source of the gifts, we're not generous with it. Because what do we do? We hold on out of fear because there's only so much and we have to have ours. But if we understand that God is the big one who gives us himself, who gives us everything, then we recognize that all we are are these conduits to others through which God is giving us. And what's amazing, and you look at the other scripture lessons that we read today, What's amazing is the big God, the one who actually has authority and power, and he could actually crush us. What does he choose to do? But give generously. Give life. Give himself on the cross. James says, don't you know that all the gifts you have, everything you have is from the Father of lights. The actual one with power as we struggle down here in our earthly power struggles, as we say, God, no, I'm in charge. God says, I choose to give generously to you to the point of death, to the point where I will give my only son to die on a cross, to resurrect from the dead so that we can be together. He uses his authority and his power for goodness and for us. And then we take that, and because we're afraid of authority and power and being under somebody, we hoard it and we grab onto it out of fear, and we do not live generously because it's ours. And I don't want to let it go. Jesus in the gospel reading. I mean, again, Jesus was way funnier than I think we give him credit for. Because if you heard the gospel reading today, right, he says, how many of you, if, if your child, um, if he asks, what's the first one? Um, if he asks for a fish, we'll give you a snake instead. You're like, 
No one. If Grace, Hope, or I are like, hey, I'd really like lunch, and I'm like, here's a venomous um, snake to run from, the, the image is just ridiculous. Or like, you know, hey, could, um, those hole-in-ones you like to make with the egg in the middle, would you mind doing that? And Isaac's like, you know, he loves those things, and they're very good. And then if I brought it to him, and instead of an egg in the middle, there was a scorpion, he'd be like, this is not what I signed up for, Dad. And J- Jesus looks at us, and he says, and if you... You who are evil, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. If you foolish ones, you know how to actually give your children good gifts, how much more would the one who's not worried about power and authority, who's not tainted by sin, who's not stressed about the future, how much more will he give generously to you? He's the generous one. He's the one who it all flows out of. And in this we live. It's in this place we live. It's the reason why we come in and one of the first moves is realizing how big God is and how little we are. And there's something so important about that move because we spend our lives in power struggles and trying to get one up over our our kids, over our spouses, over our bosses, over whatever it is. But God says, I am actually in charge, and I choose to be generous, to give everything, my only son, for you. So do not be the dam and the block of my generosity, but let it flow through you to others. Heavenly Father, we, we struggle with this truth. Because we, we want to be in charge. We want to be the big one. We, we understand what the Tower of Babel said. We want to make a name for ourselves. But God, you, the one who has the name, the name of Jesus, as we saying earlier, you, with authority and power and might, give generously to us. So Lord, let us be challenged today by your generosity And let us realize that you are the source of giving and you give without fear. Help us to be aware of the ways that our power struggles with you, of the ways our power struggles with one another, influence our generosity. Stop us from being generous. Lord, let Ascension Lutheran be a place known for its generosity. Let us be known for seeing the needs of others and responding in kindness and fullness. Lord, we we need you to do this work. Because if it's about us and our sin, we're going to hold on to it as tightly as we can. So Lord, break us of that habit and teach us your generosity today.